This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to Inside Marketing. Over the last couple of weeks, we've covered social media platforms, different uh, things around social media, quite a lot on their 20-odd episodes to date because it is a, it's an area that's rapidly changing and it's really interesting. And today we're going to talk about one of the newer platforms that are in a period of rapid growth, I think it's fair to say. I'm joined in studio by David Hochter, who's on the brand partnership team at TikTok. Welcome, David. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting used to remote podcasts now at this stage. Um, I'm getting used to working from home. I'm, you know, I'm getting more productive. I think last week and this week felt like normal weeks for me in work. Um, the first two were a bit of a, an adjustment. How are you coping? Yeah, I think it's, it's the same for me. I, I feel like it's busier than ever working from home. But, um, but yeah, I'm safe and well and glad you are too. Great. So we're going to kick off and apologies if this is kind of intro and idiot's guide too, but I think a lot of people will have heard about TikTok. Don't be that really clear about what it is. They may know so it's about video, but let's start off for anyone who's not really up to speed. What is it? If you're trying to explain this to somebody who just doesn't get it, what is it and what's the elevator pitch? Good question to start with. In simple terms, Dave, TikTok is a video platform. And my sincere advice to anybody who doesn't really get it would be to just download it and, and try it for themselves. It's incredibly immersive experience. It's very easy to use. But I think to be more specific, like TikTok is the leading destination for short form mobile video. So it's an entertainment-based content platform, mm -hmm. full screen, vertical video, sound on environment. And um, the company's mission is all about inspiring creativity and bringing joy. Uh, we believe that everyone can be a creator and want to give people the tools to create. So what you'll find is people will unleash their creativity and make short form mobile video about a variety of topics using the inbuilt video editing tools, which really are best in class. The, the videos can be up to one minute in length. The average length is about 15 seconds. But I think like as a platform, TikTok is really about three things from a tonality point of view. So the first is that it's a platform about being yourself and mm -hmm. being unafraid of judgment. It also very much like honors creativity, self-expression, authenticity. And it's also a platform that prides itself in inclusivity and safety. So I think it's really a positive environment. Right. And I hope, I hope it continues to be a positive, positive environment as we continue to grow and scale. Mm. And I think because of that tone and creativity, TikTok has captured the imagination and attention of people all around the world who are creating and watching content based on a wide variety of topics. It could be travel, it could be pets, it could be music, it could be sport. The content's going to change depending on what's going on in the world. So I don't know if you're watching Netflix, Dave, but right now there's a lot of mm -hmm. Tiger King content, for yeah. example, due to that show's popularity, but also lots of really creative, inspiring content about people finding ways to entertain themselves while we while we isolate yeah. during COVID-19. So really, like to answer your question, it's an entertainment-based mobile video content platform. I think people love it because it's a positive environment, right. a joyful experience, and kind of the feeling you get from spending time on it. And is it fair to say that one of the big differences is it's a much greater platform for creative expression? Because I know when, when social started, it was it was message based, the, the early versions of social. And then, you know, Instagram is much more about expressive creativity. And would you say that this is moving that on a bit more? It's, it's kind of just tapping into that sense of self-expression and creativity that people have. Is that really what its key difference is? I think creativity is one of the differences. But the, the kind of key thing for me is like when you think about TikTok, it's not based on a social graph. It's actually based on a content graph. And what I mean by that is it's not necessarily about following people, although you can if you want. Okay. It's more about like connecting through content. So like kind of what I already mentioned, like upon opening TikTok, you're immersed into a full screen vertical video. It's a sound on environment. 
And the algorithm will immediately start learning about what kind of content a person enjoys. So it becomes a very personalized feed experience, which means that if you're 22 or if you're 52, it doesn't really matter. You can very quickly start watching content that's relevant and entertaining to you based on your own personal taste. So I think that's one thing. I think kind of what you touched upon, Dave, the other kind of point of difference is the tone. So it's not a manufactured or posed environment. It's very much about fun, creativity, mm. self-expression, not taking yourself too seriously. Essentially, I think the keyword is all about authenticity. So yeah. um, that's probably why it's resonated so strongly with Gen Z and young millennials very early on, because they really do crave this authenticity and this, uh, and this creativity. I think another big point of difference is the video editing technology, which allows people to create these really engaging short four mobile videos i'd say that's definitely best in class okay and then the kind of last point i'd make is just for for brands and advertisers the style of content is quite different it feels very native and very authentic and i think that's why a lot of brands will work with our community of creators and when designing content and ads for tiktok and some other platforms are very good at driving engagement mm-hmm. in terms of likes and comments but TikTok takes engagement to a whole new level. Like brands can actually co-create with people and creators and get people involved in their campaign, which we'll talk about later, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But essentially, I think TikTok is quite a different proposition for a number of reasons and also quite an exciting proposition for users and brands. Yeah, and, and I wasn't a huge user of it. And I, I started to uh, tool up on, on my knowledge just because I knew we were going to have this podcast. So, And it was quite addictive. And what, one of the things that audiences seem to love about it is this kind of ease of use and the, the functionality that the platform has. And again, it's a really fun way for people to express themselves with, with, with greater creativity. So I think one of the things I'd heard about it as it was described to me was think lip sync battle and the, the success that that has had on MTV. And, and it's, it's mainstream, but that type of trend and think of that in short form video that's user uh, generated. Is that a fair description for the layman or, and I know the platform will evolve and grow, but it's, it is quite heavily music based, isn't it? So the music based point is definitely, definitely true. I think the lip syncing point is less true. Like mm-hmm. I think that's kind of more like a heritage thing related to like musically and, and those kind of platforms. Yeah. TikTok is much more about premium video and high quality content. Um, but I think like with the, with the music part that that is key. I think, what you'll find with music is it's, it's been a very successful platform for, for music and for launching artists. Yeah. So like, and it, it kind of comes back to the idea of TikTok being about user-generated content. So in music terms, that's very interesting because it means that for artists, it's a level playing field. An emerging artist has just as much opportunity to be used in a piece of content as an established artist. It doesn't necessarily matter what the artist's popularity is in the charts outside the platform. They can still thrive and become successful on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So like when you think about like music and artists, you know, it's, it's a constant like stream of emerging artists alongside established artists. So you can have classic nostalgic tracks becoming popular again. Mm-hmm. That they're being used in content and re-entering the charts. I think, for example, Dave, I was on TikTok today in Ireland. Uh, and to give you some examples of what I'm talking about, like Break My Stride, the Matthew right. Watt song from 1983 is trending as people are using it in this really great trend where they're using the lyrics of the song to try to trick people into thinking it's a normal conversation. So that's an example of the nostalgic piece. But oh, simultaneously, gotcha. yeah. like, like established artists like The Weeknd are trending Users in Ireland are dancing with their families to the track uh, Blinding Lights in a trend called the uh, hashtag Blinding Lights Challenge. So I think you can check that out. It's definitely really funny. And um, there's some great content there. Right. But then also you have like emerging artists like um, Dance Monkey by Tones and I, for example, or 
Say So by Doja Cat. And both of these tracks like emerged on TikTok and now mm-hmm. have like millions of streams across multiple platforms are in the music charts globally and even like dance the top Spotify's global uh, 50 list. Right. So I think, I think just to go back to your question again, the music part is key. I think the lip syncing is definitely... Yeah, there seems to be your, your legacy because it's obviously music-based platform, so your legacy is there, but it's so much more than that now. It's gaining huge traction, it's fair to say, and with certain demographics, which is always the case with new platforms as, you know, for example, Facebook re- reaches mass population. The people who went onto that initially find it's lost its purpose for them a little bit and they go somewhere else. So it is particularly strong with younger demographics. So, I mean, I think we know why it's attractive to the younger audiences because of everything we talked about, um, self-expression and creativity. But am I right in saying that it is pre- predominantly a youth platform at the moment and that it is, you know, have you, can you share some numbers in terms of what your user base are? I've read a couple of interesting figures lately and it's way bigger than I thought global figures so can you share anything on your user and your core user base and who you kind of appeal to if you put a bullseye demographic on who you're kind of for if you will yeah so we can't disclose user numbers but like you said David if people are curious you can easily find app download stats yeah. on third parties like Sensor Tower but what I would say is like TikTok was the most downloaded video app globally in 2019 and that very much is continuing into 2020 but in terms of like demographics the early adopters war Gen Z and young millennials. So mm. it was a kind of 13 to 24 year old age group, which isn't really surprising giving mm. what we talked about and like that demographics need for creativity and, and authenticity. But as the app kind of gets more mature and content gets more diverse, you do see a trend where our user base starts to age up. And I think the fastest growing age group in more mature markets around Europe is actually 25 to 44. Okay. And like when you think about the fact that the TikTok feed is a personalized experience, the app is really for everybody. So a 22-year-old can have a completely different experience to a 52-year-old in terms mm-hmm. of content, but both can enjoy TikTok equally and be equally entertained in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. So I think like that's kind of uh, the, what I would say about demographics. Oh, and it, it is, from what the figures are saying, it has, it, it's probably not exclusively young. It isn't exclusively young, but it has quite a young base. So you talked about it's a safe environment. So for people, again, for people who don't know it, um, what type of comfort could you give advertisers or even parents in terms of their kids using it in terms of how safe is this as a platform? Yeah, so user safety is our absolute number one priority at TikTok um, as a platform in general. I think I speak to brands about brand safety in detail all the time, but just to kind of touch on, on the user safety side of things now, I think the first thing that we have is like local moderation. So a, a mixture of like machine detection and human moderation, but also we've got like a detailed uh, safety section in the settings of our app that you can access quite easily. Mm-hmm. And also like a digital well-being section that you can access as well. And what you can do there is really easily like um, do things like parents can set time limits on their kid's account. You can set up a private account. Okay. Uh, you, can, you can disable all comments. And also in terms of things like like age gating, uh, we, we try our best to police like younger users as well. So like when you download the app or you try to create an account, you're prompted to like give an age, not any mm-hmm. particular age, just, just any age. And if a user puts in an age that's under 13, they'll be blocked at like a device ID level. And um, so that's kind of one of the one of the, the ways we police that. Also, I think in, in terms of other things around safety, I mean, users can report content that's right. inappropriate. Uh, we're obviously checking that proactively as well. Also, you can't direct message a, a user unless you're following each other. Okay. So there are like, like a number of ways we're dealing with user safety to make sure that our community is as safe as it possibly can be. 
your platform in huge growth and given your focus that it is on a, on a specific audience um, and a certain type of content that makes sustained growth because we, we all know markets once high growth has to be continued and that's quite challenging because when you start growing at a pace it's really hard to bring in new users without losing your, your core I mean I know you can't share the numbers I, I read and it's probably way out at 1.5 billion downloads and that's probably way out of date by now and although the dwell time I'd read was quite good it was an average of 52 minutes so I mean it's a much bigger platform I think than I'd given credit for I thought it was an emerging platform and it's it's past emerging it's just it's quite often the case that the ad community are quite often the ones last to catch on to things they're user-driven platforms in the, in the first instance so can you talk briefly about your growth plans in terms of what your strategy is or what best is at the moment in terms of staying relevant to younger audiences as new older demographics come in what's your strategy to grow the business Yes, yeah, so, so there's several good points there. So I think just one thing I want to go back to that you said, Dave, because I, I forgot to mention it earlier. I think you talked about the fact that the audience is very engaged as well. I think that's mm-hmm. definitely true. I think going back to the point that TikTok is a sound on environment and, and full screen vertical video, it's not a second screen. Mm-hmm. So like you're watching TikTok, you're watching TikTok. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not while you're watching TV or doing something else. So I think that's that's a really good observation that you made and that I should have mentioned. But in terms of like our plans for growth, I can't really go into specific details on that. But what I can talk about is your second part about staying relevant to young mm-hmm. audiences as older demographics come in. And I think it, it kind of links back again to what I was saying about the personalization of the TikTok feed. So like the way TikTok's algorithm works, it means that it's highly personalized to a user's interests. So even if the user base does broaden out, mm-hmm. there will always be content on there that will be of interest and serve to like the right individual. So for example, if you open my TikTok feed, you're going to see lots of travel and tech content. Dave, your feed could be sport or comedy. Mm-hmm. Teenager might have a feed full of music and celebrity content. So once again, because TikTok is a content graph and not a social graph, it makes no difference to younger audiences that older demographics are joining. Yeah. Everyone is going to see the content that appeals most to their interests. Right. Um, and you might you might even find out that you're interested in certain things you never even thought you were. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I may be off the I may be missing the point here a little bit, but from knowing what I knew about it, it felt quite similar to what Vine was a couple of years ago. Um, and that may or may not be true. But I think when I look back on it now, Vine, I just I don't know why it didn't take off. Maybe it was because it was slightly ahead of its time. It just didn't people didn't get it. And now it certainly has taken off. So do you think Vine was ahead of its time or or why do you think this is just the zeitgeist is right now? Why do you think this has caught on in, in such rapid numbers that it has? What do you think has happened? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, first of all, the first thing I would say is in, in terms of mobile video, like Vine was definitely ahead of its time. And like TikTok, Vine was also a very creative space. It mm-hmm. was about creativity. I think what TikTok does is it takes that creativity to the next level. So it's much more diverse in terms of the content ecosystem. Like people are, are rewarded by the algorithm for making high quality, engaging content okay. that will, and will serve that content to potentially a huge number of people depending on its popularity. So that's how content on TikTok can reach a lot of people very quickly and how trends are born. Um, and your listeners are you might have heard about a hashtag challenge, for example. Mm-hmm. You can very easily jump on trends and provide their own like unique interpretation of a topic, which I think is a bit different. For example, I was on the app this morning in Ireland, like I mentioned, and I, I saw some examples of users giving each other tips and tutorials on how to cut their hair. Right. Obviously, or shut. I should definitely do that. I, I do my own, so I should definitely do that. I'm going to be on. That's it. I, I need to do it myself. But like the thing is, like so, some of like the results were absolutely hilarious. But also, some of the information is really useful. And I guess that's what I mean about diversity of content. TikTok is kind of supposed to be for everybody. So mm. whatever kind of content entertains you, you'll find it. 
Um, so the diversity of content definitely is, is a point of differentiation. Another thing I would say is the resources available uh, to creators and brands is definitely a step above as well. Okay. So, for example, we launched a platform called TikTok Creator Marketplace, where brands can partner with creators to make content for the platform okay, right. and turn this into ads. So that's much more collaborative and accessible. Yeah. And I think the final point that I would make is just about the sound on factor. So we kind of already spoke about this uh, in terms of uh, the fact that it's a very engaged audience. But I think the fact that it is sound on, the fact that there is so much music involved mm. means brands can kind of partner with our music team or with our use music in really clever, creative ways to kind of drive brand equity and relevance on TikToks. So they're just some of the ways I think it's a bit different. Yeah. Okay. And no, no, that, that all sounds fair. And we, we'll talk about advertising in a minute, but I just want to get your view on this. We have seen a couple of new platforms emerge, like Snap is a great example. And given the, the strength, the size in the market that um, Facebook and Google have, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, they have loads of money and they tend to be better at buying things than building things, I think it's fair to say. So they'll be definitely watching you guys now. And I, I think one of the worries I would have if, if I was in owning TikTok, I'd be saying, they're going to copy our functionality because that's what they do. I read an article on The Verge uh, that was saying Google, YouTube are allegedly working on a similar one called Shorts and Facebook are testing something called Lasso in Brazil. And look, I guess first mover advantage is key. It's all about who goes first. But is there any? would you be concerned that these huge companies with massive resources will threaten to stifle your growth trajectory? Or, I mean, I guess they'd probably look to buy you, but that's their model. But, um, you know, how... You're at such a scale already now that you're probably safe enough. But, but you know, would you be worried about them just ripping off your functionality and just bringing out Me Too products? It's a tricky question to answer, Dave. I mean, we're focused on ourselves. Mm. Like we're thinking about TikTok and about our users and about creativity. I think what, what I could broadly say to answer that question without being able to go into detail is copying a product functionality is, is quite an easy thing to do. Yeah. Copying, you know, user behavior is yeah. very, very difficult. And TikTok is a very creative, fun, cool space right now. And that's going to be very, very difficult for other platforms to recreate. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And you're right, it's a it's a problem that everybody has, no matter what you're, what you're you know, in product development or technology or anything. So we'll get into talk about advertising a little bit. The age profile could be slightly young for certain brands, but I guess it's not, you can, you can exclude certain people. But the numbers that you have and the level of brand engagement, this is going to be a huge attraction for, for advertisers. So can we just have a quick chat about some of the advertising opportunities and, and plans that you may have? So what's the role for advertisers? How are you working with the market? market what markets are you currently live in and where your big markets and what's your plan to roll out with across other markets is that something you can share is that something that's developed or where are you on that yeah absolutely happy to talk about that i think like the first point i'd make is that i joined tiktok a year ago um, and it's it, it, it's evolved a lot in that time and i think what's definitely interesting for me is to see how the range of brands that are kind of testing and learning with us and running campaigns with us has evolved mm-hmm. so i think what you'll find, Dave, is the early adopters from a brand point of view really were like gaming, entertainment, fashion clients. Like in terms of gaming, you had lots of mobile gaming companies running app install campaigns. Yeah. You'd entertainment studios promoting movies. You'd, you know, lots of fashion brands experimenting in interesting ways. Like the, the ones that come to my mind were emerging fashion brands like Gymshark, who made really great organic content. Mm-hmm. Pretty Little Thing, they made like great early campaigns on TikTok using a variety of creators. Um, Converse, for example, ran a Converse All-Star Challenge where they invited users to redesign uh, some of their shoes and runners. Mm-hmm. And the winners won tickets to London Fashion Week. And then after that, you even had luxury brands kind of running campaigns like Gucci, Burberry, Ralph Lauren. But even since then, I think the, the range of brands has totally diversified. 
So now you've lots of technology brands running like Apple and Samsung mm-hmm. uh, quite regularly. Also, FMCG brands are becoming extremely prevalent. My favorite current example is from um, Reckitt Benkiser, who are running a, a hand wash challenge okay. for their brand. And they're, kind of, they're trying to demonstrate to people how to properly wash their hands and protect from the spread of, of COVID-19, yeah. but like in a, in a light, light of the way. But I guess to your point about like the, the, the kind of demographics, like you even have like auto brands running right. campaigns. Yeah. Like Mercedes ran an extremely successful campaign where they asked people to recreate their logo in creative ways. And right. it drove like, really high levels of user-generated content. And like, okay, like Mercedes probably realized that they're not going to sell a car on TikTok right now. Mm-hmm. They also are driving brand affinity to their next generation of customers and um, a next generation of trendsetters. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of the way a lot of brands are thinking. And then I think the last point I would make before moving on to your next question was just like the brands that are having the most success on TikTok are the ones making very native content and working yeah. with our creator teams, our brand strategy teams, our music teams. Um, and the way I imply that TikTok is a level playing field for music artists, that kind of applies to brands too. Yeah. Like TikTok it's a highly engaged audience spending an incredible amount of time on the app and consuming a lot of content. So the brands that build with that in mind are, are seeing a lot of success. The second part of your question, I'm happy to answer and talk about our, our ad formats. If, yeah, if, if yeah, that'd, that'd be, be great. Yeah, that was that was one I wanted to have a chat about. See what you what you because it's a question I have. These things happen is you know they they people go to them because they like you know and they're they're not being bombarded by advertising and it feels like a, a nice uncluttered brand brand way you know for them to connect with friends and and then the advertisers come in and the balance that you have as a as a platform owner or, or any media owner or publisher is how do you you know take some money out of that market but not ruining that user experience so um and i guess like anything else like a lot of ad creatives and and even the the kind of clients and even media agencies they the old models of just sticking a video at the start of something and um you know that tv model if you will very much intrusive it's quite hard because for, for a lot of things and gaming is a great example like we've done had a lot of work done a lot of work with clients talking about if you interrupt the game experience if you if you kind of annoy people it goes detrimental to the brand. So in some ways, which makes it tricky, you kind of have to think about new ways to engage people. So yeah, it'd be great to talk about formats from your point of view. So what formats have you got? What are you looking at? And how do you work? Like, do you have a design and consultant strategy team in-house that works with brands? Because I guess you guys know it better than anyone else. There's lots of good points there. I think I think the first thing that you that you kind of alluded to, Dave, was about the the kind of user experience and like and like advertising not like disrupting that. And I think that is something we're very conscious of. Mm. And like trying to kind of guide brands and guide our partners to kind of build with the platform in mind and like make quite native feeling immersive content. But I guess it'll make more sense when I explain like the ad formats. Yeah. I think like we basically have like three types of ad formats. The the first kind of type is takeover formats. Then we have like standard formats and we have more content-led formats. Mm-hmm. So like our takeover formats will be things like brand takeover and top view. And like what top view is, is it's a highly immersive, like premium video placement. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the first thing a user sees when they open the app. So it serves as like the first impression and it's a hundred percent share of voice. So if a brand is running a top view in Ireland tomorrow, they're the only brand running a top view. In okay. Ireland. Like a masthead that YouTube had. Yeah. Essentially it's, it's similar to a degree, but I think how it kind of, Kind of takes it to the next level is it's fully sound on and um, so brands are using it to experiment with different music approaches mm-hmm. it's full screen vertical video so it's very very prominent like it is the whole screen and um, it can be up to 60 seconds in length and i think what's interesting for me is 
it also performs really well from like a viewability point of view. Mm-hmm. So if stock brands are interested in achieving high view through rates, they've been really happy with it. So the kind of clients that would use top view a lot in Europe would be, you know, Apple, Samsung, also Adobe, mm-hmm. Universal Pictures. So that's like one. Another app we have is Brand Takeover. That's similar to Top View in the sense that it's the first impression and it's 100% share of voice again. The kind of key difference is it's sound off. And it's three to five seconds in length. So it can be a static or a video. So it's kind of like a mobile billboard almost. You know, it's mm-hmm. used to kind of create mass awareness or drive to a separate section of the TikTok app. And what's interesting to me about Brand Takeover is the actual results in terms of picture rate are really high. Mm-hmm. It averaged around... 7 to 10% uh, CTRs across Europe. The standard ad formats are more like in-feed video. That's pretty much like exactly the sounds. It allows the brand to place their video within a user's personalized feed. Okay, so basically, yeah. you here as you're scrolling through content and mm-hmm. before you, once again, it's sound on, full screen, uh, vertical video. Uh, you can have the brand, brand name and branding in there pretty prominently. It can click through to like a, to a landing page or an external site. And that can actually be bought via our TikTok ads platform, which I'll, which I'll come back to in a second. So it's kind of like our most flexible app format. Mm-hmm. And the final kind of two app formats are the content-based formats. So probably the most unique one to TikTok is the hashtag challenge. And maybe you've heard of that. Yep. What, that what that basically is, is, it's driving user-generated content. So what brands are doing is you're proposing a topic to TikTok's user, users and asking them to give their interpretation of that topic. Right. So like years, like... My background is, is agency as well. And for, for years, brands were talking about creating movements and getting people involved yeah. in campaigns, which would be quite difficult to do. Yeah. But that behavior is quite native to TikTok. And it's all about people jumping on trends mm. and giving their interpretation of things. So I think that the hashtag challenge is, you know, it's about virality. It's about creating content. Yeah. It uses creators. It uses music. It can also get incredible results in terms of user-generated content as if people are making high-quality content that could organically appear in other users' feeds. So right. you can get video views. And I think that there's lots of brands who are experimenting with this. There's a great example from the U.S. with a brand called Elf Cosmetics, who uh, created like a custom track with our music team. Um, and it was so successful that they got like 3 million people to make videos with the track. They got 4 billion video views. And they actually subsequently released that track on Spotify. Okay. I went to top went to top 10 in the US, US billboard charts. Wow. So really campaign. But also people like Nike, um, Subway, Snickers, Oreo, they're all kind of um, experimenting and learning the hashtag challenge. And then just the last point on hashtag challenge, there's another um, adaption called hashtag challenge plus, where if you have like a, a diverse product range, you can actually build like a, a sales component into the hashtag challenge. So you could have like a product carousel, uh, a shoppable banner, a store locator, so for e-commerce clients with a wide product range, it's, it's pretty interesting. And then the last thing is just branded effect. And what branded effect basically is, is it's a visual effect mm-hmm. that brands build. So it, it reacts to like hand movements, facial movements, uh, camera tricks, green screens. And it's an interesting creative way for brands to drive engagement. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to kind of work their branding in visually into user-generated content. And some of the brands that have experimented with that would be Nike and Burberry. Burberry had a really good example where they wanted to celebrate their 100-year anniversary uh, and honor their co-founder, Thomas Burberry. So when users made like a, a TV hand movement, they're actually, their actual logo appeared, which is quite cool. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, cool. Quite, quite, quite a clever way of driving user-generated um, content. But just going back, Dave, to your question about um, the rollout plan. So we actually just launched some ad formats in Ireland, which is why this is quite like a, a timing. timing. 
Yeah, so we've launched Top View and Brand Takeover um, and our in video ad format. Uh, so they're the ones that are available to advertisers now, but there will be more coming uh, down the line. And our plan is to expand across Europe and globally in terms of that this year. Brilliant. That's great. Um, because that was one of my questions about what type of things were available and, and how small a market were they. you you mentioned the team of people who help. Obviously, that's gonna be a team that are gonna serve the big markets. But if you're if you're a little old small advertiser or agency in Ireland, is there any level of support from your design or brand team, the partnerships team? Is there anything you can get or is it they're like literally flat out working on the big markets because we are a small market and that's i mean you know that you're from here so is there any resource available if irish brands want to get involved that are many kind of minimum spend levels or can people reach out to anybody or is there any self-serve things is there any anywhere people can go to kind of get some design guidance yeah it's it's a really good question i'm not i'm not going to pretend first of all that we're not flat out like we are yeah there obviously are um resources available to brands in ireland as well so the kind of three kind of core teams that we have uh, are number one is the brand strategy team so what they can do is just like guide brands strategically from like a creative point of view mm-hmm. in terms of what kind of um, ad content is going to work on TikTok. And yeah, you're correct. There'd be a minimum spend for that, mm-hmm. but like as well as it'll be low. And then the music team would advise on like the optimal approach, like music. So what kind of sound and what kind of track should a brand use? I think really interestingly, we have TikTok Creator Marketplace, which, which I mentioned, and also our, our creator strategy team. So TikTok Creator Marketplace is in beta right now. It's available to like selected, like whitelisted advertisers, but it's basically our official platform for brands and creators to collaborate together on TikTok. So you can see like creators' audience stats, their engagement stats, their mm. content. You can actually use them directly if you want right. in uh, ad campaigns. So what you'll find is quite interesting is ad agencies sometimes will come up with a really great creative idea or proposition and then use Creator Marketplace to activate it in a really native right. way. So it actually works, 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 works yeah. pretty and then I think your second kind of question, um, which is important as well, was in terms of like the rollout of like of self-serve. Yeah. And I think like we obviously appreciate and realize that um, advertisers and particularly SMB or small medium businesses do need to buy in a self-serve manner. So I guess like just to like kind of define what self-serve is, like we've got like a TikTok as manager platform. It's, yeah. it's in there right now. And uh, once again, accessible to selected whitelisted advertisers. And they can basically set up campaigns themselves. Mm. They can buy based on different objectives. So upper funnel, like reach or brand awareness, like mid funnel, like traffic wrap and install campaigns, okay. upper funnel, like conversions. And um, I would also be hiring teams to provide advertisers with the most valuable insights to help optimize campaigns and launching like self-serve and analytics tools and help enable this too. So I think like all that stuff is coming. Right not fully there from a self-serve point of view in Ireland yet. Okay, great. It's on the way. Um, well, I guess you're growing at such a pace, which is an audience that um, you probably just can't build it quick enough because um, it's while the audiences are, are, are there, people, there's going to be huge interest in it. I don't know how much of this you'll A, know or B, be willing to share, but like just interesting, we have a quick chat about some of the, uh, what may happen in the future. Obviously, like you're probably your functionality and even some of the things ad formats that you've talked about there first of all just that the level of kind of user engagement or collaboration on, in, in terms of creative it sounds great but even some of the functionality some cool formats about you know hand movement and, and the Burberry thing about the logo appearing so you're already ahead I guess staying ahead is the key challenge so do you think you're going to move into newer areas like well not newer areas but areas like in NPD in terms of um, functionality for AOR VOR is that going to be something you'll build in will, is, will your ambition be do you think as a business to always be at the leading edge in terms of functionality and, and engagement and that user experience 
Yeah, so I can't talk too much about like the product roadmap or what's coming, but I think like AR is interesting and that's going to be an area of focus for us. I think the key thing for us today will just be like, you know, giving our users the tools to create mm-hmm. and giving what they need to help like engage um, consumers in like a very content driven way. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of these app formats are so new, like hashtag challenge, for example, or, or even branded effect. We need to work on that and like and like perfect that before we even start thinking about yeah. next. I think right now there's enough for any kind of brand or advertiser to kind of confidently test and learn. And like these are all like new kind of areas, like you know the, the whole idea of being content based and driving this new generated content. That in itself is innovation. So I think like that's what we should be focusing on right now. And then down the line, obviously, yeah, we, we want to be cutting edge and we want to explore yeah. things like AR, of course. Okay, I was going to talk about it. There's definitely a trend. Short video, shorter form and mid form videos definitely on the increase. And it's just, it seems to be just from the podcast last week, we just can't get enough video. It's strange times at the moment where there's a huge supply of video and demand is just a little bit stifled. But generally speaking, the demand for video is just incre- for cre- premium quality video is just on the increase. Um, and Quibi launched. So that was when we talked about last week. I guess. It's way too early at this stage, but I, I imagine that there'll be, you know, something that you guys will probably think of in time in terms of this shorter form, being a publisher and a creator of content, pretty expensive barriers to entry, but I think it's probably an area you might grow in. One last question. If somebody in, well, maybe two, somebody in Ireland, a brand, um, an agency person is listening and they want to reach out, who can they talk to? Where can they go? Is there a, a best a showcase, the case study design section anywhere? Where can people look if they just want to have a phone calls from from here? Where is there any reference and material for people available? Yeah. So if you go onto our website, which you can obviously, you know, Google or find online, you'll basically see lots of case studies and resources there and information on the platform. But also there'll be like a, a link that you can use to contact the, the brand partnership team. So that that's the kind of best way to do it. Like we are committed to hiring teams here and like we are hiring a lot right now across Europe and globally. So we will be getting brands the support they need to kind of test, learn, and scale. Good. Well, it sounds really interesting and best of luck with it. Um, so, yeah, and thanks a million for coming on. And I hope you stay safe. And you're, you're, in, you're based in London, are you? But you're back temporarily under house arrest in Ireland. Yeah, I'm based in London, but back home in, uh, in Ireland, in, in Tullamore, uh, self-isolating and staying safe. So really good to be home. And yeah, big thank you to you, Dave, for the time today. I really appreciate talking to you. No problem. So thanks a million for joining me. And thanks to our partners in the Irish Times Media Solutions. And thanks to Andrea and Kira on sound until we're off next week. So the week after we'll be back again. So bye bye. Stay safe. This is Inside Marketing brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.